be willing to step out and grow. But also, if you're more mature on the other side of that sword, if you're more mature, if you're you know in a position to help, scaffolding and and setting up a safe place for a young guy like you to set up, like Chuck did, like yeah. being willing to step up and say, hey, I'll do this with you. We'll labor together. That's an important thing, and that's made a a, a touch on my life. That's made a touch on your life for sure. So. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a good message, man. That's that's good. If you're an old man, okay, just step into young people's lives because that, that's what Chuck does. Yeah, we need more uh, old men. I didn't ask for a mentor. Chuck just stepped Told right you. into my life and said, hey, I'm going to do you're this wrong, with Nick. you. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's been a blessing. So uh, don't don't be afraid to step into other people's lives, old men out there. I hear you. Got Three, two... One. Oh, it had already started. Oh, oh no. <laughs> kind of got butterflies. Mm. Stomach. In the pot. Well, again, we can, uh, I'm pretty sure you can cut out butterflies. Yeah. Everything. So cut all of this. Or open with it. Are you going to give us the uh, intro? No, I, don't, I haven't put it on, oh, you haven't put it on the soundboard yet. I don't okay. know how to do that. We have clapping. Right? Oh. Yeah. In so, our... uh, yeah. I guess. Uh, Is podcast four? Podcast number four. Welcome to podcast number four. Welcome to podcast number four. We now have graduated from, let's see, no mic to a bad mic to really good mics to now please show our beloved listeners what we can do. Oh, we got sound effects. We had a sound effect somehow. We have so, yeah, sound effects. Neat. You know, one of my favorite things you've done so far yeah. is when I asked you to add in a clinking sound, <laughs> when we clinked our coffee, yeah. you actually added I, in I a I found an open effect. source clinking sound. Yeah, yeah, you have to make sure you don't accidentally use a copyrighted clink sound. So, yeah. I, I assume there's a lot of sound effects we can use. Though. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I like the headset. So, yeah, we're using headsets and in a quiet spot and trying to trying to improve over the initial uh, Bluetooth microphone. Maybe we should do one on technology sometime, but yeah, um, we're just trying to somehow do something for the kingdom. I don't know if we're being effective on that. Well, or I not, think the content's probably the most important thing, but the, look. And that's what scares me, Nick. That's what scares <laughs> me. <laughs> hey, we're having a good time. We are. I, I love, I love recording these things. Yeah. Like, it, I don't care if anyone listens to them. Yeah. Mom I and just dad. have a great. We, we have to name, name drop mom and dad. Uh, each mom time. always. Yeah. And, and Jesse. Yeah. Lovely, and Jesse. Beloved wife. I don't think Kristen listens. Um, oh, come on. You uh, need to, you think... need to pressure your wife yeah. into listening. Yeah. Or do I need to do that? Yeah. Would she feel more pressure if I started sending her random texts? Uh, she might like... listen to you. I know she doesn't listen to me. So yeah, she might listen to you. Okay. Well, and your I'm wife will... likes it when you name drop her and, and, and says details like where you go to church. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we don't have any stalkers yet, so I'm not worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or three. Yeah. Or, well, my mom might count a little bit as a stalker. <laughs> um, so one of the ways that I've grown close to you as a friend here in the last, I don't know, what, five years, four years, is our Bible study. And I really enjoy um, talking to you about that kind of stuff, and that's kind of what drove this interest in this podcast in the first place. But one of my favorite Nick stories is years ago, I think in 1920, something like that. Um, you were doing your Bible study in the mornings and you were walking near your apartment. I want to hear that story. Tell that story. Um, I think that's a little bit, maybe the details there are a little off. Okay. Was When was this? This would have been in 2020. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm yeah. not a hundred 
plus years No, not old. 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Not 1920. 2019 <laughs> I thought you were making an age joke. Like, man, you got a lot of gray. You do have beard, a gray in your I beard. Do, I do yeah. have a lot of gray in my beard. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not that old. No, no, no. I meant 2019 or 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think in 2020 was uh, the beginning of the pandemic, right? And I was in a Bible study at the time, but not leading one. It was actually the first time I'd really been in a Bible study in a long time. And it was the beginning of really kind of a, I don't want, like a rededication isn't the right word, but like a renewing of my faith or an intensifying Mm -hmm. of my faith. Rejuvenation. Like a rejuvenation of my faith. And, you know, we were in the pandemic. Everybody's locked down and bored as heck. Nothing to do. You can't even go into work, which at first was cool, but then it was yeah, you know, no social frustration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I never locked down as much as they asked us to, so I always <laughs> saw people. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, don't come after me, government. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think I I realized well, I finally have all this time. Why don't I actually do something I've never done, which was read scripture in the morning. Like I had read scripture as a Christian and I'd gone through like the Bible in a year before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I had never like committed to, I want to be in the word early. Let's, let's set a, let's set a simple goal. I'm going to start with like 10 minutes, you know, in the morning as I drink my coffee, that's easy. So I just started opening up scripture and 10 minutes quickly turned into 20 minutes, 20 minutes turned into 40 minutes. And before I knew it, like every morning for almost an hour, yeah. I was like sipping my coffee and reading scripture. And it was like this slow, amazing build of intensity, like mm-hmm. in my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It wasn't immediate, but it was like as it was like a rolling a snowball down a hill. Mm-hmm. It was like gaining momentum. And, and one of the things I started doing is usually when I was feeling frustrated or sad, I would go on these morning walks because i lived next to this beautiful park that had these lakes i'd make a cup of coffee mm-hmm. get up super early and go on a walk and just like kind of cry out to god as yeah. i was walking around and there were just these incredibly intimate conversations with god where i really felt like i was connected to him and hearing from him you know yeah not like in an audible way not that you can't. No, I intimacy. do believe that yeah. you know people can literally hear from God. Yeah. But it was a it was a prayer that I just felt kind of the presence of God comforting me and responding to me like in my mind and my soul. Um, and I think I'd shared one of these with you due to my many you know relationship woes for about a. Two-year period there, yeah. You know, so one of those low moments of just, you know, really crying out to God and feeling like he was listening to me and correcting me and, like, telling me to trust him, um, that was kind of the biggest thing he kept asking me to do. And it's it's sad that, I don't know for you, but for for me and it seems like many of us, that intimacy is strongest when we're in those places, when we're in the desert, the, you desert. Know, the, yeah. the toughest spots. And I'm certainly not, well, for, you know, 
praise God, not always in a desert, but I'm also not always in that close intimacy. There's an ebb and a flow, to be honest with you, sure. in my life. But I'll tell you, whatever I am in those zones, for me, it's 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 remarkable how that time in the morning, that connection, it it it's like going to the gym in the morning. Like it lasts the day. That glow lasts the day. That yeah. that intimacy um, lasts the day. And 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 I don't think that it, it's not a special thing that you have to do it first thing in the morning. But for whatever reason, for me, that that makes it much more uh, powerful is by starting the day in that in that fashion. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, look, you could obviously be your your uh, schedule for, you know, sure. time with the Lord can be any time in the day, but I'm a big proponent of the mornings for exactly that reason. Yeah. You start your day with God, you know, oh, yeah. now I'm pounding the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think there's a, there's an intersectionality. There's a, there's a, there's a commonality, the center of the Venn diagram of prayer and scripture in that regard. Like, I think that it, it, those two go hand in hand and are most effective together. And you can certainly read the Bible for for different reasons. You know, I mean, you can read it as a as just a book, but the uh, pursuing Him and, and praying and, and being intimate in that way empowers that that book in a much more uh, powerful way. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, I think brings us into the topic. Yeah. Of our podcast today, which is what? What is the official title of our podcast? I don't know today? that we have one yet. Scripture reading, I think, is yeah. One. Scripture reading, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> scripture reading in you. We'll just <laughs> scripture reading in you. We'll just kind of ramble through uh, how important scripture reading is in our lives and and some of the technical terms that we've learned. You've yeah. mostly learned. Well, along no, you the way. too. And and I think again, it's just more of what it like as we've unpacked it in over the past, you know, whatever three to four decades, or just especially past few years, what we've learned about it and yeah. what it means to us and the the reasons that it's so important. So yeah, I think that. You know, you can you can even if you are studying it to try and pursue God, you can study it from a you know historical perspective where you look at you know what was going on in that in that time frame to try and get context. You can study it from an author perspective of like what does that author said about other things. If you want to look at like Paul is kind of the seminal one, right? Like what does he say about the same topic in all these different books and try and get a better gathering of it. Language is another one that I think has been um, an interesting challenge, especially recently whenever we're going through uh, Revelation and some other more challenging texts. Like, what does the original language say, and how does it how does it interpret? So, what you you recently ch- chose a new translation? How did you choose a new translation? What did you read about for that? Uh, yeah, so I uh, when when I got married, um, we decided that we wanted to buy two Bibles, like, with our names engraved on them, like, nice Bibles that, like, were both the same translation so that when we would be in the Word together, you know, reading the Bible together as husband and wife, that we would be reading from the same Bible. So I did a bunch of, uh, I wouldn't call it a bunch of research. I just Googled things for a (laughs) while until I came across a translation that I really liked um, and neither one of us are experts in this topic. Yeah, We're just talking through what we've learned not and at thought all. about. This is, yeah. Right, right. So I, I know there are, you, you'd sent me an article there, kind of like three categories of translations, yeah. right? There's the literal word-for-word translation from the original sources. There's right. the thought-for-thought translation, which takes more of like a sentence at a time uh-huh. and tries to translate it into English. And then there's the... 
uh, what it was the last one? I think paraphrase? it's like paraphrase. Yeah. yeah. So like I think paraphrase. of the message is probably, or the so, passion and translation. If, if anyone's going to say any of these are heresy, it's definitely the message in paraphrase. <laughs> so, and that's, and what you just said there, that's, that's what I have probably matured on most in the past five years is when I was younger and I say not like age wise, but spiritually, when I was younger, I was convinced that, well, word for word is obviously the most accurate and anything else you're just adding more inaccuracies. And that's not the way it works. Like there is a reason that the message is powerful and right. useful. Right. And right. to say that, that, you know, just disregard it as heresy. And I know you're joking, but like yeah. there, certainly people do that. Um, I don't think is the right way to look at it. And I, and I, um, one of the ones that I ran into maybe a year or two ago was, I think it's first Corinthians. Uh, I'm going to say it and get it wrong. So I think it's seven, one or seven, 11, seven in there. It says, um, do not, do not have sex with a woman. Well, the, the Greek is do not touch a woman. So King James renders that as do not touch a woman. Other say, well, don't get near women. Like don't, don't, don't be close to women. And if you look at it, that's a, that's a word for word translation. It's accurate. Don't yeah. touch women. Um, but at the time, if you do a thought for thought translation at the time, touch was uh, slang for what we would say like sleep with or other words that are probably right. not good for the podcast. Sexual, sexual. nature. So yeah. it means don't have sex with women. Yeah. And so if you go just literal word for word, you're missing something. And they have to understand the context of that day, what the, and I mean that day, that, that time, that historical time frame, and what the author was saying to those people then, and then pull that forward into today and then translate it. And, and you have to be an active part in that, whether you want to be or not. And, and, and it would be nice if we could just have this perfect word for word translation that just works. But we don't live 2,000, 8,000 years ago, and we don't speak uh, Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. Right. Like, that's just the way it is. Would be... Um not to get too off topic here, because you asked me a specific question and I didn't answer it, which was, uh, tell me about your research. No, I started uh, rambling. It was my yeah. fault. So I'll, I'll just get back to the question. Of I We chose the new English translation, the NET. NET. Uh, Net. The full notes edition. And th this is why. It's a thought-for-thought -thought translation yeah. in modern English. So it makes it very accessible for Jesse and I to read. Yeah. Uh, but there are all these translation notes, like throughout the Bible, you know, you, like a typical study Bible, you'll have the maybe top third of the page is the actual scripture. Yeah. And the bottom two thirds is all maybe commentary on the scripture. Yeah. On this translation, the bottom two thirds of the page are all notes on the translation choices they've made. So you can so understand why. tell you, you know, well, we chose this word here or this phrase here, but these are what the other so ancient sources uh, might say. Yeah. And we had to make a choice and we chose this. We felt like the sources backed that up. But it makes you really trust what you're reading or mm. at least uh, know that the people that went through the process of creating this translation, it lets you into their thought process yeah. of like, why does this sentence say what it says? And they'll explain how the different sources may differ slightly and how other translations render it differently and what they chose to do. And I really liked that because it, it lets you kind of dig a little bit deeper into the translation you're reading. And I think that that depends on what kind of study you're doing also. So I think that that can be really useful if you're trying to make a big decision off of a few words. So if, if you have a few words in the scripture there that you're interpreting as one, 
if, if you're trying to understand eschatology or like Revelation that like we just talked about last time, understanding why it's translated that way is is useful. And and so your approach is to read the notes. I, I like the approach of having side by side translations if I'm really trying to dig into something. And so you'll have I think the probably the one of the highest uh, rated um, word for word would be like ESV probably. Yeah. Uh, ESV especially and New King James. New King James. <clears throat> that's another big uh, one. And the NASB. NASB. So that's yeah. that's an interesting topic there too. So the big difference in my mind between NASB and ESV is the inclusivity of language. So ESV will use the original language, which is masculine driven. And the NASB will use a modern interpretation. So like, for instance, sons, they would add sons and daughters. Right. Or men, they would say people. Um, and they're, again, they're saying that one of those is correct is, I think, missing the mark. Because we don't, in, in America, we don't think of it that way. Like we think of children, we don't think of just sons, right? And then right. if we're numbering a crowd, we don't only number the men. Like there's certain things that we just do differently culturally. Right. But there is a reason to say the accurate word for word. I like the ESV. Um, and I, I think you just have to acknowledge the strengths and the disadvantages of both of those approaches when you're looking at them. Uh, I like the thought for thought NIV to compare it to. And then I don't really use yeah. the, I, even though I was just saying it's not heresy, I don't really use the. The, the message. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I can't really get into it. So it, it can be so the way I think it's best used is when a pastor is preaching on something and he wants to give a different perspective. So they go outside, you know, usually at your church, I don't know what do you guys preach out of. We preach out of ESV at our church. That's a good That's question. Like the, I don't know what he uses. I don't know. Um I wouldn't think it's any ESV because it, it often doesn't match mine. So I don't okay. know. Okay. So yeah, we, they'll preach at ESV, but say they they want to give you a different perspective on the verses. Mm-hmm. You you might bring up the message for a passage. Yeah. Um, I also see like authors do it a lot to show yeah. you like oh, or I don't know if you're personally reading through a few different verses through a few different translations, you might go, oh, I really like the way this one puts it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it resonates with you yeah. personally. And that's how NIV is to me because I read it so much as a young man Same. that my memorization is in NIV. And so whenever I get the warm and fuzzies, it ten, tends to be from the language of NIV, Yeah. Um, even though I enjoy reading the ESV more nowadays. Well, I think uh, an important uh, point to make, which actually the article you had shared with me made, all of these translations, some some people will criticize Christianity by saying, well, you're just reading a translation of a mm-hmm. translation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not actually even reading accurate scripture. Yeah. So how can you even you know, trust what that book says? But the point of this article was that, no, every translation has dozens, hundreds of scholars that pour over ancient sources, which by the way, the New Testament is one of the most sourced, if not the, probably the most sourced document in the history of the whole world. And probably closest to the original, like time between the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I mean. Is like yeah. the number of ancient sources they have for yeah. the New Testament is incredible compared to like any other works. So what goes into creating a translation is scholars pouring over ancient sources and yeah. trying to find things like, um, uh, what, what do you call scribe errors, things mm-hmm. like that, trying, trying to determine where a scribe might have made an error based on studying different sources in different parts of the European 
North African, Middle Eastern world. Yeah. And, and deciding this is what we think the original document actually said. And then this is how we're going to translate it into whatever modern English, modern English is at the time we're translating it. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not flippant. It's not like the NIV is a modern English translation of the King James Version. And I think you know? a lot of, I, I, you know, I think I've run into people who've thought that before, who were non-believers and think, yeah, exactly what you're saying. So you have like 12 translations in series, each containing a further error, adding and adding and adding and making it less likely. I Again, I used to think, I think I said this before, but I used to think that if you knew Hebrew or you knew Greek, you would somehow be able to read that and get a more accurate uh, interpretation. And I just don't think that anymore. Like, I think, to your point, the amount of time that these scholars and the number of scholars and the peer review like settings, you just can't, I, I, I will never know enough to outsmart those people, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think you at a certain point, you have to take, have faith and take uh, the inerrancy of scripture as valid and move forward with it. Right. But I do think understanding like basic things about Hebrew and basic things about Greek help you understand the context of it better. And so like one thing that has resonated with me recently is like Hebrew, there are no punctuations. There are no paragraphs. It's, it's written in a rectangle of text. There's no vowels too, there's, right? Yeah. So anytime you see, there's no vowels. So anytime you see uh, a break in the scripture we have today, like a chapter break or even just like a paragraph, like that's not there. And so thinking about how do those two go together and, and whoever broke that up for you, was it really valid? I, I think is interesting. And understanding that in the Greek also, there are no chapters, there are no, I mean, there are vowels now, and it, but there are no really sentences either. It's just run together. So to understand that, like it, it's, it's helpful, I think, to really see how things go together. And I think a lot of times you'll end chapter six and start chapter seven and think, okay, this is a new thought. Well, it wasn't, you know? Right. So, so thinking about that is, is helpful. I think one of the things that we should make sure to make as an important point is you can get lost in how complex scripture can be and scripture reading can be and it can then um, make people think they're not qualified to read scripture even and I I when I started reading scripture and it had an incredible impact on my life I knew nothing and I can guarantee you I was reading scripture and pulling some incorrect things out of it. <laughs> but you know what it was doing every single day was it was deepening my relationship with Christ by yeah. being in the Word. Yeah. I remember I had a conversation with my brother-in-law. Um, it was just kind of a conversation in passing, but he's like, well, do you, do you think it's like okay for me to read Scripture if I don't really know what it's saying? Like if I don't know how to interpret it properly? I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's okay if you approach scripture and get some theology incorrect because you know how many people have incorrect theology? Probably every single human being has slightly incorrect theology. I'm certainly one of them, yeah. I'm not sure which denomination or church gets it exactly correct because we all argue about little things. You South know? Park tells us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I certainly don't feel qualified yeah. to – and I think that to your point – it's more. It's it. It is more of a relationship, and it's more of a uncovering constantly, and, yes. a, and a and a digging in. And the cheesy analogy I used last time was like a love note. Like you, you study that to try and understand better. Um, I don't know that you ever really get there. And I, I, I think that you, to your point, there's certain things that we don't want to be wrong about, but there's a lot of stuff that we'll never understand. And 
being comfortable sitting in that spot is a healthy thing. I and think. hard and, to do. I would like to point out. Yeah. Hard to do. Uncomfortable. I like to be right. Yeah. And I also like to think I know the right thing. Right. And so it's it's hard for me to be like, well, I might be wrong here. Yeah. And then be okay with that. But setting your heart right with God daily is the right thing. Yeah. Like and and so uncovering and getting closer is is the right thing. So I I agree with you. One of the biggest compliments you ever gave me was so you know my story was 2020 summer 2020 started reading scripture every day and later in the summer god very clearly like asked me to step out and become a men's bible study leader yeah and i was in no way qualified for such a thing and then chuck you know came alongside me chuck's our uh, old friend, uh, the old man that pours into our lives. He uh, he leads the Bible study with us. He's a dear friend. He set very me wise. Up. He very arranged wise. my marriage with yeah. my wife. Um, very good man. Uh, yeah. He came alongside me and helped. We, we helped create the Bible study that then we all slowly. Yeah. You know, you joined, I think, a few weeks after we started, and we've had some guys in the Bible study for then now a three year period, but. Through that process, my faith was like growing daily, weekly, monthly. And you had said to me, I think a few months into the pod, not podcast, a few months into the Bible study, I, th- like, I'm going to paraphrase you because I don't remember. Sure. I don't remember this. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm you, very entertained. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you told me, I really love that, like, you are so, like, I can see how passionate you are about reading scripture and what it has clearly done for you. Like you could see what it had done over the six month period of my life at that point in time and how much I wanted to share that with others in the Bible study of like, this is how much of a change reading scripture daily can make in your life. And you told me, I can see that change in you. And I just thought, man, that was like the most incredible compliment. And I can remember that season of your life. Because I knew you, I mean, whenever I first knew you, I knew you were a Christian. Like, we would talk about stuff and yeah. you went to church. And, but there was certainly a exponential ramp there. And I, I, I would guess 2018, 2019, 2020 in there. Yeah. It, yeah. It, so, yeah, and, and the, I think leading the Bible study for you, I think, has been a really growth-inspiring. Growth it's or, been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, again, this is where I want to point out to ourselves and anybody listening, you do not have to be qualified to be a part of God's kingdom and doing things for it because um, that's not like he qualifies us for one. He's the one that qualifies us. We don't become qualified. He brings us into the kingdom undeservedly so. Yeah. And by doing something as simple as reading the Bible every day, you're going to grow in relationship to him. And then by choosing to step out and lead a men's Bible study. Well, that could sound daunting to some people, but it didn't require any special knowledge from me. It just I was just the guy that organized it and made sure people showed up, and then we had a discussion. Yeah, You know, and I would certainly do work throughout the week to try to make sure, one, I knew the answers to the questions we were going to be asking, but two, that I like, okay, I maybe went above and beyond to try and broaden my own understanding of what we were studying. Mm-hmm. But I was—I have no degree in theology, mm-hmm. you know. Chuck was there to provide the wisdom for sure. But even if he wasn't, you and I could have successfully led a Bible study because 
You have a community of people coming mm-hmm. around, studying the Bible together. Yeah, you're going to make errors, but you're also going to correct each other along the way. You know, so I just, I think it's important to have people understand, just start, just encourage do it, that just read, just show up to a Bible study. And if you feel called, just lead a Bible study. Do it with humility, you yeah, know, don't yeah. think you have all the answers. Yeah. Unless you do, I guess. But well, there's an old adage. I don't know if it, if it's heresy or not, but there's an old adage that the the effort is your responsibility. The results are God's responsibility, right? Yeah, and I so I think that's I think that's I think accurate. What you're saying there is true. It's a double edged sword. Which is, if you're called or have the opportunity, or you know, even if you just have to ask God for the opportunity, be willing to step out and grow. But also, if you're more mature. On the other side of that sword, if you're more mature, if you're you know in a position to help, scaffolding and and setting up a safe place for a young guy like you to set up, like Chuck did, like yeah. being willing to step up and say, "Hey, I'll do this with you. We'll labor together." That's an important thing, and that's made a a, a touch on my life. That's made a touch on your life for sure. So, uh, I think yeah, it's a good message, man. That's that's good. If you're an old man, okay. Just step into young people's lives because <laughs> that that's what Chuck does. Yeah, we need more uh, old. Men. I didn't ask for a mentor. Chuck just stepped Told right you. into my life and said, hey, I'm going to do you're this wrong, with you. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's been a blessing. So uh, don't don't be afraid to step into other people's lives, old men out there. I think that's a good end right there. I don't know. I mean, we might be too short, but that was, no, that no. was a really strong I want, end. I want to hear a little bit about um, – we haven't talked about some of the technical terms that I think are important exegesis and eisegesis. Okay. Give me a quick definition of those because I'd never even heard of those terms until a couple of years ago. And they're really helpful to know what they are and what they mean. And as you study the Bible, it helps you to study it more and more and more correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think both of those terms have become very in vogue in the past several years with nerds like me who like studying this kind of stuff. But um, exegesis is is a, a form of hermeneutics, a form of studying the Bible, and those are all rarely used big words to make people feel more special using them. I think, but what I what I think of and how I memorize it is X means out of. So, like if you were going to excommunicate, you're going to throw them out of the body. Mm. Um, extrapolate, you're going to pull that data out. X means out of, and exegesis is out of the word. So out of God's word. So whatever is in God's word, you're trying to pull it out. That's that's the mission of exegesis. Eisegesis, E-I-S, is the opposite, which is into. So you, and and the and the 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 really trendy way to say this right now, the way that I say it, at least I don't know if that's trendy, but like TED talks are this. So if you have a talk that you want to give on a certain thing, like let's say Black Lives Matter is going on, or let's say Israel is invading Gaza, and you really want to talk on one of those two topics. You write out your your what your thoughts on it, and then you go and you find some Bible verses to support your position. That's eisegesis. You, you know what you want to say. You're just trying to find a way to use God's word to get your point across. And that's we use the word heresy a lot today, but I think that's very dangerous. Yeah, you could be used correctly, but it's very, very, very unlikely. It's like me throwing a bunch of parts on the table and somehow building an engine just by throwing them on the table, right? Like it's it's unlikely. Yeah. So. Or what's the old one with the monkeys and the typewriters writing to Shakespeare? Like that that kind of thing. So I said Jesus is bad. Exegesis is typically good. But not exclusively so. Right. right not, yeah, not exclusively. And I think that it's not a binary. So like modern day 
internet culture, we love to pick a camp and say, this is the only answer. Even with exegesis, there is an element in who you are in translating that to right. today's lesson. That's just the way um, it works. So to, to get um, the words inside of your brain, there is an element of your brain translating those words. And words are uh, symbols for things. So like if I say the word trunk, what does that mean? Is that an elephant trunk? You know, if I'm British or English, that's going to mean a different part of a car. Um, am, am I traveling? Like if, if, if something is written down as a trunk in the 1850s, you know that it's not a car trunk. So you have to look at all those different elements to understand what that word trunk means. And the picture that pops up in your brain of trunk, that, that's you. That's not the word. That's you interpreting that. So yeah, exegesis, there is still, it's not black and white. There is still some elements of who you are. But the intent is to try and get God's word out as accurately as you possibly can. And what does that mean like... That definition-wise, but what are you doing when you're studying the Bible through the method of trying to exegetically? Is that correct? <laughs> you're the studying word. the Bible exegetically. What, what does that mean? What are you looking for when you're studying a book of the Bible that way? So what are some helpful So there are, I mean, things? yeah, I mean, there are, this could be a college class. So... Um, some some keys are to you know to read to read up and down read vertically is one of the things that are often said so not just read a verse like I said earlier the verse is not there in the original so it's it's a it's a line in the text so to read above and below what you're reading about to understand what that means exactly the broader context the broader context read across which means if again I go back to Paul as a good example but if you want to know what Paul's view are on a charged subject like homosexuality or women in the church, you can take one of those verses and say that's what he meant. Or you can go look at every time Paul wrote on that subject, which both of those topics, he wrote on them multiple times. Yeah. And you can paint a fuller picture by reading across the author. And then even more broadly, looking at you know how are those topics treated throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. So to look systematically um, at what that is said. And that, that's known as systematic theology, where you look at systematically across the entire Bible what that's sure. said. So I think, you know, that's how I, that's how I typically remember, remind myself is up and down and then across. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you can, you can dig into it much more than that. But I, again, like, like we were saying earlier, I think the, the time spent daily and the time spent pursuing is the important thing. And the time coupled with prayer, not just, not just reading from a sure. historical perspective to understand who was king of Israel when this happened. Right. But praying and, 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 and mulling over that throughout the day, I think, is really important. I mean, so all, all those are great because those, those are when you had sent to me up and down and across, like as bullet points in the notes, I had no idea what those <laughs> meant. So uh, that explanation is really helpful. I think the other thing um, that people need to be aware of is – if you're picking a Bible, a book of the Bible to study, especially, is the historical context and the lowercase a author, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. we all, as Christians, agree there is an uppercase a author. Mm -hmm. If you're not a Christian, you might not agree with that. But we, as Christians, believe the Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's God's Word. So he's the uppercase a author. But the lowercase a authors, there's different people that wrote all these books over a 1,000-year period or whatever. And it's important to learn a little bit about who was the lowercase a author of the book, 
who was the audience they're originally writing to mm -hmm. and what was the original, how would the original message have been received by the people? Now, all of that requires some level of speculation, right? Yeah. But, and, and being, being comfortable with the idea of what, what you're certain with and what you're not certain yeah. of. So the, the, the list of things that, that you're certain of, the list of things that I am certain of are pretty short. And so, you know, even growing up, I always thought revelation, I thought John, and I thought, you know, which John I, I thought I knew who that was. And in the past year, I'm not as certain, like there's some people who don't think that's the same John. Right. Um, and, and what, I mean, it matters in an interpretation standpoint and sure. reading across, like I was just talking about, right. But doesn't really matter. And it doesn't. So right. being comfortable with that and being comfortable, there are certain things that I'm willing to die over and certain things that I am not, I think is a healthy thing. So I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage you from doing exactly what you're saying. Exactly what you're saying is correct, but not building a glass castle on this fact of, I know who wrote Hebrews. You, you, you don't. Actually, no one does. No one does. We have some, <laughs> Nobody we guesses. Nobody knows who wrote We have Hebrews. some guesses, yeah. but yeah, we don't. And, and if your entire theology uh, is rested upon the foundation of who wrote Hebrews, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you've never read Hebrews front to back and you're Beautiful. listening right now, read Hebrews front to back. It is actually, it's become over the last like year and a half, one of my favorite really? books in the New Testament. Hmm. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. It's a sermon. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's, it's like the first sermon recorded. Some people say, well, well, I guess Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but let's say as a, a, a book as a whole, topic like mm -hmm. people say hebrews is itself a sermon yeah that was given at some point um man i really lost what i wanted to say though I, that was a valuable point i haven't read uh, hebrews in a long time i encouraged me you can read what's really fun uh no one's ever said leviticus is fun okay but hear me <laughs> out read leviticus and hebrews simultaneously and i think the way it works is if you read two chapters of leviticus and one chapter of hebrews you'll okay. finish the about same the same time. But what's really cool is you'll see a lot of the symbolism mm. set up in Leviticus explained in Hebrews. Yeah. And the two books fit together yeah. well. So if you've never done that, Leviticus and Hebrews simultaneously is a, uh, a pretty cool read. And that's I would recommend. in the past year, I've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. And you just there's just cool stuff there. Like a lot of times as a new believer, you think of that as either, you know, again, heretically being a different God. Like it's just, it seems like a different perspective on God, which it is, but it's still true. And you find cool stuff like you're talking about, or I'm in Joel right now and you see like uh, foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit coming down and there's just cool stuff. Oh, and you yeah. understand the history so much better. And yeah, I'm not saying, you know, spend all your time only in the Old Testament, but there's cool stuff there. Yeah. And, I, and again, I go back, I'm going to beat it at a horse. If you're moving inch by inch closer to God daily in this fashion, you're going to be a better Christian you're going to be a better person and you're going to have a better life. And that's, that's the important thing. I think more than understanding what the Septuagint is, understanding that the importance yeah. of daily investment is the important thing. And don't, don't be afraid. Like yeah. that's another I, point I think that is, needs to be made to many Christians. Don't, don't be afraid to dig deeper into your faith. You will find God to be bigger and better and more incredible yeah. the deeper you dig 
I was afraid of certain passages in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that would make me uncomfortable. The more and more I dig into Scripture and see how interconnected all of it is, like the deeper my faith becomes. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell people, don't, don't be afraid to dig. You're not going to lose your faith. You're going to find a deeper faith. Because uh, like you said, sometimes you get this idea that the God of the Old Testament is somehow different from the God of the New Testament. But actually, as you study Scripture more, you're like, nope, this is the same God throughout. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament is full of God's mercy mm-hmm. and God's love. Uh, we, it just has some hard passages that people have to wrestle with of like, wow, there are like parts in the Old Testament where entire people groups are wiped out. How do I sit with that? Well, you need a better understanding of what was going on in Scripture and the narrative of Scripture and what judgment was being brought at that time. But also, you know, you need a better understanding of, well, is did is God condoning this thing, or is this just a descriptive thing that's in the Bible? Like that's another. You don't you don't sit with it by ignoring it. Yeah. You don't you don't grow yes. with it by ignoring it. Yeah. That's certainly yeah. the truth. And 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 again, going back to certain things that you can be certain of, and the other ones, you know, sitting and listening. And I think that's some, an important thing too that. Prayer isn't always you lamenting and you reaching out and you petitioning. You know, like prayer is you sitting in silence sometimes, and that's a that's a powerful thing. Like I, we had that in a Bible study years ago, where they challenged one of the weekly assignments was to challenge you to to sit silently and listen to God. And I remember the first time I did that, I set a timer, and it felt like forever. And I did it for a week, and by the end of the week, the timer would go off before I thought it would. You know, so I think that that's something you have to practice, but something in the West that we do a terrible job of. It's just sitting there in silence and listening to God. I struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing. Like, again, it's good. So read scripture and pray. Shocker that those are two things you should actually do. You're, you're hearing all kinds of good tips here on our podcast. Yeah. Uh, you should. You all should be closer to God and yeah. read scripture and pray. Read scripture and pray. <laughs> okay. You know what? It's not legalistic. Hey, that's the title. That's yeah. the title. Read, read scripture, scripture and pray. And pray. Right. There you go. I'm going to close this in prayer. All right. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the beautiful weather that we're experiencing here and then also the beautiful friendship and fellowship that Nick and I are able to partake in. Uh, bless our three listeners, Lord, and um, strengthen their faith as you've strengthened ours. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh wait, we didn't clink. We didn't clink. Oh, oh, we got metal. Oh, we got metal bomb. cups. We can't. In front of your microphone. Gingers. Yeah. Java. Java. Jesus. <laughs>